Chapter 14 of Lion Ben of Elm Island. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James Allerton, Uvalde, Texas. Lion Ben of Elm Island by Elijah Kellogg. Chapter 14 Ben Confides in Uncle Isaac and is Comforted. The party on the island sat by the campfire, listening to voices of their departing friends, till they died away in the distance. "'Who are you going to get to build your chimney, Ben?' asked Uncle Isaac. "'Joe Dorset.' "'I never get him. A poor man can't afford to hire him. He came from Newburyport, and he's always heaving out and telling how much better they have things in Massachusetts, growling about stuff he has to work with and can't do anything without a mercantile brick.' I don't know anything about him, said Ben. Only you heard he's an excellent workman. Well, so he is, but when you said that, you said everything. He'd have a great many long stories to tell. They'll eat up his own time and hinder other people. I like to hear a good story myself and tell one, too. But I always do it after work and not to hinder work, in my own time and not my employer's. Besides, he's so lazy. He went fishing one year with John Stout and he was so long in hauling up a codfish that a dogfish ate him all up, and left nothing but the bare hooks to come up to the top of the water. Who shall I get? Get Sam Ewell. He ain't a mason. No, but he's a plaguey sight better for your purpose. He's a natural stone layer, took it up with his own head. He built you a chimney out of stones right here on the island. That'll carry the smoke first rate, and that's all you want of a chimney, and he'll do it a quarter of the time. Then the chimney will compare with the house, and they'll be all of muchness. At this period of the conversation, Joe flung himself upon the brush, and was soon sleeping soundly. Uncle Isaac, now that we are alone, I want to tell you how I feel. It seems to me that it's bad enough to bring Sally into a log home an owl, but I ought to reason to have had a panel doors in it, more than two windows in the hole of the broadside, and a good brick chimney overlaid with lime mortar. Plank doors, tongue and cleated, are the warmest. Panel doors in a log house would look like a man with a beaver hat on and barefoot. You can cut out a window wherever you like, and the less holes, the warmer. But the chimney, persisted Ben. What will she say to that? How can she get along without an oven? Sally is one that looks into the realities of things, and as she's made up her mind to live on this island, depending upon it, that she considered the matter all round, is looking forward to something better, and that will keep her from being discouraged, however severe things may appear at first. I don't suppose how often an oven can be made of stone, but I tell you what I will do. Take up the bricks on my buttery floor and lend them out to you. It's altogether too late for you to get bricks this fall. Well, I hope twill all turn out well, but I know in my soul that she's no more of an idea what living in a log house is than she has of London. I know a great deal more about Sally Hadlock than you do, though you are engaged to be married to her, because I know her people, and there's a great deal in her blood. She is the living picture of her grandmother Hannah, my wife was named for, who came down here when it was a howling wilderness, fought hunger and the engines, and beat them both. Handsome as she is, and gentle and good as she seems it is, she's got an old iron nature of the breed of folks who had much rather earn a living than have it gin to them. She's had nothing to call out that grit yet, but you'll find 
out what she's made of when she comes to be put to it. There's one thing that troubles me that perhaps you haven't thought of. If I was going to take her into the new settlement where everybody lived in log houses and all fared alike, it'd be another thing. But I'm going to bring her to where she can look right across the bay and see the smoke of her mother's chimney and all her friends and folks living in nice frame houses. Now, if she's unhappy and keeps it to herself on my account, and grief is gnawing at her heartstrings, I can't bear that. Benjamin, said Uncle Isaac solemnly, who saw his friend was really distressed. What I'm going to say to you now, I say candidly, and what I know to be a fact. I'm a married man, Ben, and I know what woman is. When a woman really sets her heart on a man, he is almost like God Almighty to her. And the more she can put herself out for him, the more contented she is. That is, if she's normally certain he loves her. Now, Sally loves you with her whole soul. For she might have had her pick a half the young men in town, and she knows it. She's also sure that you love her, or you would never have given up your business prospects that you had, and undergo all that you must undergo on this island just for her account. Therefore, the more hardships she called to suffer, long with you, the lighter-hearted she'll be. Yes, she'll take pride in it. Oh, Benjamin, these rich folks who never know what it is to strive and contrive to get along don't taste the real honey of married life. They don't know what's in one another. They don't love one another as those who have a fight for a living. Why, they can't. They haven't had to lean on each other and be so necessary to each other. Well, I never thought of that before. Of course you haven't. I expect you to have the happiness of finding that out. I tell you, Hannah and I take lots of comfort Sabbath nights, when we ain't tired, talking over all we've been through together. And then sometimes I get the Bible and read them verses, where it says, She seeketh wool and flax, and worketh willingly with her hands. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. I can't help giving her a kiss and saying, Well, wife, I never should have got through if it hadn't been for you. This last sally of noble old philosopher of the woods completely silenced Ben, who promised he'd never harbor another doubt in respect to the matter. There's another thing, Benjamin. Don't try to slick it over any, but make it full as bad as it's tis. If she expects the worst, then she finds it a great deal better than she expected. It will make her more contented. There's a great deal in the first feeling and the first look of a thing, especially to a woman. The next day, Ben and Joe were employed in hauling stone for the chimney and making clay mortar. Uncle Isaac cut a red oak and hewed out a mantel bar to form the top of the fireplace. It was twelve feet in length and no less than nine inches square, as it was to support a great weight of stone. Though of wood, it was so far from the fire on account of the great height and depth of the fireplace that it could not well burn. Besides, it was always the custom whenever they had a great fire to wet the mantel bar the last thing before going to bed. Then he cut a hole through the floor in what was to be the front entry to pour potatoes through the, into the cellar, because the cellar was under the south part of the house and made a door to cover it. The house would seem to my readers but a poor place to live in, but there are four windows below and these put on the corners to admit of having given others between them when they should be able to give the house a funny look. The house consisted of but two rooms below, separated by a rough board partition, in which two doors of rough boards hung by wooden hinges. The chamber was reached by a ladder. The boards of the floors were rough and full of splinters, 
as they came from the saw. Against the wall was the northwest corner, with shelves and closets nicely planed, with some dressers to hold dishes. In the cellar there was a square arch of stone, into which Uncle Isaac put shelves, and to which he made doors. He then made a cross-legged table, all in one leaf, and to settle the place before the fire, with a back higher than the top of the person's head, to keep off the draughts of air, that went up the great chimney. They went off Saturday, well satisfied of what they had accomplished. End of chapter 14. Recording by James Allerton, Uvalde, Texas.